S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. Sammy Rye here with another one of those podcasts with Sammy Rye. This week, we're going to keep it simple. We're going to talk about what I call the FNAF effect. The FNAF effect or the Five Nights at Freddy effect. We're going to look at Five Nights at Freddy, Poppy Playtime, and some of these other YouTube-type stories, these brands that are independent, grassroots, and the community is kind of helping these independent creators do what larger companies like Marvel and DC do. It's a very interesting concept. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about some of the things and that maybe, you know, the, the marketing and things that have kind of happened, the way that they've made money in a very unorthodox, non-controlled way where the community's kind of all doing it together. But obviously there's somebody, you know, in the middle that's benefiting from that. We're going to look at that, the FNAF effects, what I'm going to call it. The other thing we're going to talk about this week is the concept of celebrity in 2024. You know, it's shifting, it's morphing. What is it to be a celebrity in 2024? Is it just being popular on YouTube? Is it just having subscribers? Are actors still in that same space? Are our legendary actors who are getting older, are they still celebrities because they were celebrities? Or are they celebrities forever? How does that work? We're going to look at that and kind of break down some examples. Um, We have movie of the week and music of the week and, of course, the after show. Hope you guys are enjoying the holidays and relaxing. It's being cool, enduring all the stress. Relax, enjoy yourself, have a good time. Let's hop into the show. What is celebrity? In 2024, right? What does it mean to be a celebrity in this day and age? Is that still a thing? Um, or if it is a thing, how is it really, you know, metamorphosed into something new, right? I had an interesting conversation with my daughter, who's eight years old. She came to me and she asked me, hey, dad, you know, who are five YouTubers that you follow? And I, I have a YouTube account. I've been on YouTube since it came out. I, I think I subscribed to over like 300 people. I didn't feel like there was anyone I could really think of that I follow. There's there's names of channels that, you know, I interact with. I didn't know them all by heart. Usually I'd be on YouTube and kind of see the channel or see what kind of content they provide. But obviously she had a list of names in mind. One being Mr. Beast, which was definitely the most popular name on there. I know who Mr. Beast is. Um, and a few other ones were, you know, more niche that kind of followed some of the things that she's into as a kid. Um, but to her, these were like bigger people, right? And to me, I had heard none of them besides Mr. Beast. And it started making me think of some other things that's going on in the news this week. Uh, Anita Baker, she kind of trended a little bit because she had a show. And at that show, she yelled at some fans for videotaping her on their cell phones. She said something like, you know, I don't know who you are. Don't tape me and get out of here. And some reports say she kicked people out. I'm not sure if that's true or not. Um, And so you were upset, like, oh, who does she think she is kind of thing. Some people are saying, you know, oh, well, she's a legend. She's a diva because they're used to that idea. But then, you know, it's hard for me to think of like, well, who's a young diva? Is there, something, is there young artists that are doing that or younger artists that are doing that still? I feel like, if anything, you know, artists like Beyonce and Taylor Swift, which I guess you would say are probably maybe 20, 30 years younger. I think um, Anita Baker is about 65. They're obviously are like some of our biggest pop stars, if not the biggest pop stars. And I imagine they do some things that we would consider diva-like, but I think typically you hear about them doing very nice things to fans and trying to be really nice with their fans. Um, It's kind of a bit different. I know when I was growing up, I would hear stories about like Madonna and Cher and things that they may do. They were diva-ish. But has that that changed? Is that no longer acceptable from our quote-unquote celebrities? Whatever that word might mean to you, I guess, when you say it. Because I know that's kind of a, a loaded word.
And it's interesting to think about, you know, when we were younger and we heard about celebrities, sometimes they would walk in a, in a, in a upper echelon space in our minds where they were held to a certain, I guess you would say, or they seemed like they were on a, a pedestal and we had these different maybe illusions about them. And now it seems like we don't have so much of that, right? Like the Jonathan Majors trial that um, recently ended is another big example. You know, one of the interesting things I thought about that trial was um, a video, uh, uh, audio recording, actually, that his, you know, ex-girlfriend had recorded him doing the speech. And everyone's kind of making fun of the speech because in the speech, he says, like, he needs a woman like Coretta Scott King. And everyone just thought that was hilarious, I guess, for some reason. Um, I guess it's just an odd name to bring up in a conversation. But when you're listening to him talk about it, you hear what he's saying. He's saying that he feels like he's in a position to be, um, you know, in that upper echelon, to be a celebrity, to um, do something that's not only important for film and, you know, in the arts, but also for his culture. And um, these are definitely things I think that do ring true for the position that Jonathan Majors was in at the time. So... He, I think he's talking there about becoming a celebrity or being in this, this now modern age of that. But obviously, in a, in a different way, the standard that society holds those people to are is a lot more, it's like, I don't want to say higher, but we have more accountability. We have council culture, which is not a bad thing. It's not a buzzword, you know, necessarily. Um, you know, we have the ability for people to pressure advertisers and even advertisers and companies kind of already know as soon as these things happen. Um, you should move away from certain kind of people. It's just not good for business because fans will react, which wasn't something that we saw before. You know, we we would hear rumors about things, you know, in the early 90s and I imagine the late 80s. And celebrities still could just kind of keep pushing through and keep doing things, sometimes for a very long time, and to their own detriment. And I'm sure there's a lot of celebrities that would have benefited in their personal lives from things like cancel culture, um, which, I, again, I think from, from, let's call that, from people standing up and saying, we're not going to support you if you do bad things. I think that is the better way to, you know, return it and not jump onto that buzzword, right? I don't like that buzzword. Um, you know, there's a lot of celebrities think who sobered up or stopped being certain ways after a while once they realized the general public wasn't going to keep showing up and supporting them um, if they, you know, completely crashed and burned. And a lot of them may not have crashed and burned, you know, for so long if um, they had that quick you know, jolts. Because imagine, I guess, in your situation, in your Jonathan Majors, it has to be a rough thing to, you know, do whatever happened in that situation and then now, you know, wake up to not being in the, in the movies that you're in and not having the same perception from the public, like, overnight. Like, it, it's, inst- it's instantly changed, you know? And luckily, you know, hopefully he's young and he's in, in his career and he can, you know, do whatever he has to do to get back to the top. I am a fan of Jonathan Majors as, a, as an actor, I obviously don't stand for, you know, any kind of things that, you know, happen in, in real life. Um, but, you know, think about all these things that are happening with, with celebrities and how we look at them, especially with celebrities like Anita Baker, who have been around for a long time. And we're seeing this this process of them, you know, becoming older and trying to see what that is. You know, Anita Baker still performing, still doing shows and then interacting with fans and being upset that they have cell phone cameras out. Um which is kind of odd. You know, I, I, I picture, you know, older celebrities, divas, things like that, you know, enjoying and embracing the paparazzi to some extent, you know, and it, but I guess per, a person with a cell phone isn't paparazzi, right? All these different ideas, how they're metamorphosing and how they're, they're you know, changing, I guess you would say, in, into 2024 are very interesting concepts, I think, to talk about, especially when you consider 
how you could have these pockets that my daughter was explaining where, you know, someone could be, you know, someone that's admired and have, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe of followers, maybe even less, maybe just thousands of followers of people who really, you know, adore them. But then these people might be completely unknown to the general public. You know, you could have these pockets of people to say if you play a video game like Warframe, right? Warframe is a game I did play at one point, And there's a very strong community there. They have conventions every year. Um, they have they have events. They have Twitch streamers. You know, people making money in that community. But I definitely, on top of my head, don't remember anyone's name. But if you're in that community and you're, you know, a prominent figure in that community... You could probably do very well for yourself. Um, it's a, it's a, it is a good game. You guys know I played it. Warframe is always a fun game to try out. And that community, I think, is a very positive, helpful community. But, you know, I don't I don't play it anymore, so I don't remember anybody, and I don't know who they are, right? These are some interesting things to think about. One thing I wanted to bring up this week for the podcast, you know, what is celebrity in 2024? You guys, drop me a link. DM me. You know, give me some feedback as to what you guys think about it. Maybe we'll get this topic and keep going on the next episode. Music of the week. This week, I want to give a special shout out. I don't usually do this to a, a friend I know who makes music. It's available to you on Spotify. Um, my friend Billy Hooks is the person in question here. He's also a part of a group called Epic Failure. Um, it's actually spelled E P O C H F A I L U R E. Um, they have a song called Everyday Great um, Dreamers. And this song is being featured for Ulta Beauty on a nationwide or worldwide campaign, I believe. And it's something he found out about today, or um, I think actually this week, I should say. I think it was yesterday. But yeah, it's a great song. It's a beautiful song. It's a very positive song. And it's going to be used in this cool ad campaign. And I don't usually promote my friends and stuff like that on the podcast. I feel like that's a little biased. But in this situation, I think it's really cool. And Billy's a great guy. Billy's making music for, man, I think 10, 15 years. And... um. You know, he has a, a an unbelievable amount of music that you can find on his Epic Failure channel. You also can find on his Billy Hooks channel. Um, he has a lot of music on the internet that you can get into. And I, I Billy is a guy who can do almost any kind of music. I mean, I, I really can't think of a, a situation I could put him in where he couldn't figure out how to do, you know, the song for it. And he makes a lot of positive, fun songs. He has a lot of cool, swag, delicious songs. He has all kinds of songs he's done. And I usually don't point my friends out too much on the podcast, but this is a situation where you definitely can go look up the song. You can follow him. You can give him, you know, any kind of, um, you know, interaction or whatever like that. I think he would really enjoy that. I know he's really happy about the ad campaign and everything. And it's a great thing, great opportunity and stuff like that for him. So normally I wouldn't, like I said, plug, plug my friends on the on the podcast, but this is a great example. Um, Billy actually helps me a lot. Billy produced my first album, Rhyme Books Revelations. And he actually has some music. When I talk about different projects I'm working on, he sends me different instrumentals and stuff like that that he would like me to create things with. And I'm working on some projects right now that he's um, you know, allowed me to be a part of, which is awesome. So hopefully we get to feature him more on the Get Creative with Sammy Ride channel when that's fully up and running and bring more attention to some of the things that he's doing and, and get to work with him on some different projects and stuff like that. So definitely, guys, check it out. Um, let me know what you guys think about the song. And if you you know, want to get in contact with Bill or you know interact with him any kind of way, shoot me a line. I'll you know get you guys in touch or whatever. But Billy Hooks, Epic Failure, check out the song. So this is, I guess, for my audience or anybody who listens to this podcast, an interesting thing that I'm coming across as an adult 
which a lot of you may already know if you have kids or maybe you're into it yourself. I want to talk about Five Nights at Freddy, um, FNAF, as they call it, on the streets, which some of my nephews have been into for several years, but now it's in my house because my daughter is into it. She's in third grade. And um, there's also something called Poppy, Poppy's Playtime. There's a Huggy Wuggy. And there's this other thing called Digital Circus, I believe. These are all the different ones. Um, but what's interesting to me about this is not so much those individual shows, which you may have heard about. It's just this concept of these small little, like, they're, it's weird. It's like watching, like, back in the 90s, if you had, like, Barney or back in the 80s, like, Mr. Rogers. It's kind of a kid's show, but they're all kind of bad. Um, but they have video game spinoffs, and it's very indie. A lot of this is not coming from a major company. They're coming from these little smaller companies that are kind of fostering these small communities. Um, and then having, I guess, to some extent, some kind of viral you know, sensation with these characters. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see how this is working out. And I don't know if you guys are seeing it. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy has gotten a movie. I think it's on Peacock, and it was a very solid movie. So that's you know great for them. Um, I think they've actually moved out of their game space where they're making kind of little indie games. They moved into more of a 3D game that's um, you know higher budget. It wasn't very well received, but I think this is something that's encouraging for everybody out there who listens to this. And you know, you guys are entrepreneurs, or you guys have your own businesses where you're like working on, I guess, your art or whatever it is how you describe it. But I think it's very interesting to see that these are great examples of you know a duplicated formula where people are basically making a kind of independent game, small game, maybe a little creepy or whatever. A lot of it's playing off of different like childhood imagery and things we saw as a kid. And it's it's kind of in a way, I would I would want to say like Baby Shark and stuff where it feels like maybe it's kind of exploiting kids and their attention. But unlike Baby Shark, this is something that I think appeals to more elementary school kids. They kind of have a better idea of, you know, what's good and what's bad. And they like the idea of these like familiar characters from their childhood being warped and distorted. Like my daughter loves Chuck E. Cheese and Five Nights at Freddy's basically a parody on Chuck E. Cheese. She still likes going to Chuck E. Cheese, but she thinks it's a cool idea, um, you know, to see these animatronics in these weird ways. They have interesting, colorful characters. They're simple. They're easy to draw characters, which I think is something else the kids like. Um, I remember seeing that for... Um, I think The Pigeon Who Won't Go to Sleep, that's an author who has a best-selling series. And one of the things that author talked about was, you know, making simple characters that kids could draw from simple shapes. They thought that that would be a reason that the kids would like the book and they would copy the character and they would draw it. Um, it's very interesting seeing these tactics and how they work in the whole, you know, children's space. And I think I have to, again, point out that I don't think these are exploitive. When I first saw this as a parent, I remember looking at it saying, I don't know if I like this. But like all things I, I try to do when I'm as a parent, I try to dive in and see if I can understand, is this something good or bad for my child? And while, of course, these things are, you know, grim, I, I like Chucky. I like Child's Play. I've showed my, my daughter Child's Play. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, a, I'm an 80s guy, I guess. I'm not trying to pamper my kid and make them, you know, completely numb to the world. So while these things might not be like children appropriate, um, I don't really know, actually, because the content itself isn't necessarily... I don't know if it breaks any standards and practices. It's it's a scary idea, but the characters themselves, while they seem grim, they usually are not depicted doing something that's too violent. It's something that kind of happens in your mind, I think. Um, you know, character jump down from the roof, game over. 
you know, obviously you and I know that, you know, the character killed you or something like that. Or, or did they? Maybe they just knocked you out. You don't really know. Um, but there's a lot of also YouTube content that gets created that's not official, not from the actual company. And it seems like these companies don't try or they don't have legal teams big enough to take down the other content. But you always can come across something that's a video of one of these characters doing something, you know, grim. But it's just something that someone else drew because it's easy to draw. It's easy to animate. Um, or they might even have made a, you know, an elaborate music video or something like that that's not official, which in turn, you know, spurs on the community and makes everyone interested in it. But it also becomes this thing where you don't know exactly what it is that's official and what's not. So my daughter had that realization too, which I thought was funny, where she said, hey, I know all these stories about these characters, but I don't even know if they're real stories or they're just stories people made up. And I'm like, yeah, I guess if you're having fun, it doesn't really matter. You know, I haven't seen her come across anything too graphic, and she understands, you know, what it is and what it's not. Um, but um, from the ones I've seen, you know, it, it just it's interesting to see this kind of shared storytelling, that the community has kind of gotten in on this. I'm sure there's also an incentive for it, because if you're making videos in the, and you're, you know, you're promoting these, these brands, these brands are getting bigger, but they're not paying you to do any of the work. You're getting paid from any advertising revenue you get from YouTube, and they're not, they're not hitting you with copyright strikes, at least not for the most part that I've seen. Um, so it's this really interesting idea where a creator puts out an idea, finds a community that's interested in the idea, and that community also starts adding stories to this idea, and it doesn't seem to matter if it's canon or not canon. It becomes this like shared canon where it's loose. These ideas and what happened may be true or not true to the story, but it doesn't really matter. They're just kind of scary one-off stories about these characters that people like and they want to draw. And everyone's incentivized because you're getting paid through YouTube and ad revenue and wherever you share this on social media. But that one person making this story now has help from a community that's kind of spurring them on. And also financial support from when they buy the games or they buy the merchandise that does officially come out from the company. It's a very interesting thing. So you guys haven't looked into Huggy Wuggy, Poppy Playtime, Digital Circus, Five Nights at Freddy. That's what it is. Five Nights at Freddy is the one at the forefront. I think you would say Huggy Wuggy and Poppy's Playtime is like right behind it. Um, but I see now Five Nights at Freddy has action figures in GameStop. They've, they've achieved that kind of success. So it is interesting seeing all these different things that are happening. Um, and I think it's, you know, some, food for thought, right? Do you have something that you're working on that you could put out into your community? And maybe instead of trying to control it and you do it, you know, the way that old companies would do it, Perhaps make something that, you know, you could inspire your community to share and help create also and get involved with and not, you know, attack them for every dollar they make off of it. If it's bringing your brand overall more attention and you have control of the brand overall, that might get you in a situation where you have a movie coming out on Peacock, right? Um, something to think about. If you guys haven't looked into it, I definitely recommend checking out. There's a lot of content on YouTube about it. And again, you know, you can find the official channels and narrow it down to where the official source is. But I don't even know if that's where the fun is. The fun might be just what random crazy things are out there that people are making. It's a very interesting take on being creative and a modern storytelling I don't think we've ever seen before. Movie of the week. This time I'm and I'm going to talk about a movie that, you know, it's been a while. I'm excited. I've seen a new movie that's, you know, really got me going. And the movie is titled The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster which is available to you on Shudder. I believe it might be a Shudder original exclusive to the program. If you haven't been on Shudder in a while, I know I haven't. It's worth to sign up at least for a month, go back in there and see what they have. 
Shutter before to me had a lot of indie horror films that were like straight to video quality, meaning that like they're a horror film, but just didn't feel like they were like that great. I think Shutter now in 2023, going to 2024, has a lot more, you know, really, really well done Shutter originals that are good, solid horror films. Sometimes great horror films, they're going right to Shutter, and I'm hearing no one talk about them. Um, and that's a shame because they're really good. I think if these came out in theaters, People be talking about them, but it's great to see that Shudder is investing in their platform and they're getting good horror films on their platform because so far I've had it on for a month and usually, you know, you try out an app like that, you see one or two good things, you see some things you don't like and you can't wait to cancel. I might leave this on for another month or two um, because there's a lot of content and almost everything I'm coming across is pretty solid and there's a lot of stuff on there. So there's like, you know, cheesy horror films older horror films. There's, I'm sure there's even some other kind of straight-to-video, maybe not-so-great horror films on there, of course. But I'm looking at the feature section, Best of 2023, and there's a lot of content. I haven't gotten through all of it. I had some stuff on my wish list or my, my watch list I still haven't gotten to. Um, I think Justin Long has an interesting um, high, um, uh, horror film. I think his film, I have not seen this one, is called... Uh, it's, it's like a play on It's a Wonderful Life. But I can't remember exactly what it's called. I'll, I'll do I'll do one probably on that once I see it. But the angry black girl and her monster. I don't really want to give any of it away. But I was really surprised on how how good storytelling was in this film. It's a film that at first when I looked at it, it looked like it was going to be kind of like an urban tale, uh, maybe like a, a Leprechaun in the Hood or like a Boys in the Hood kind of thing, where like it's an urban film. And sometimes I feel like what they do is it's almost like exploitive where they, they kind of just jump in like, oh, wouldn't it be crazy if there's like a horror situation in the hood and it's like a comedy or something like that. And that's pretty much it. I've seen that a bunch of times. The Angry Girl and, and the Angry Girl, the Angry Black Girl and Her Monster has a really good story that's very thought provoking. And for, for a streaming you know, platform like Shudder and the horror movie genre and, and, you know, in, in its totality, I don't expect someone to really sit down and think of a very creative story, just in general, right? For horror films, it's usually pretty straight to the point. But I guess to you know, give you something to look forward to, it's kind of a play on Frankenstein, but it is, and it's not even as simple as saying it's Frankenstein like in, in an urban setting. It's deeper than that. I think they really take some time to find some, some real problems that people in, in the urban cities and in the culture experience when you're growing up in that environment to kind of reinforce why the characters are doing what they're doing and I think it adds another layer that reminds me of like you know um the subtext people always you know attribute to like Night of the Living Dead where like Night of the Living Dead people always say is like George um Romaro's take on you know um consumerism and and you know people enjoying like shopping and you know just buying things and kind of being zombies to like branding and stuff people always you know give night of living dead this extra level of praise because of the subtext and like the real thing that mattered there you don't hear that a lot in horror films this film has that and i'm super excited that in 2023 to find a film like that um i didn't even know i wanted that right because i'm so used to not having it but yeah i was very very impressed by the film everyone in the films is you know acted well the special effects are good, um, and there's lots of there's lots of chances for the film to become cheesy and become corny because obviously they're following this kind of blueprint of this concept of Frankenstein, but it goes its own way. 
I think almost every single time. It doesn't, it never gets to the point where you feel like, ah, oh, this is corny or, ah, oh, this is like so obviously a Frankenstein ripoff. It really has its own thing that it does, but within the framework of, um, you know, the concept of Frankenstein. And I mean, yeah, the more I think about it, it's, it was it was quite brilliant. I, I would not think I would even give a film that nowadays. There's not many films I actually sat back and was like, wow. But um, blown away by the film. I thought it was really good. And then, of course, it's still going to be a lower budget horror film. You know, I don't, I wouldn't compare it, I don't know, to whatever the other $100 million films being made nowadays. But if you like horror, I, I definitely think you're going to come away enjoying the film a lot. And I'm, I'm really proud um, to be able to talk about it on the podcast because I think it's a really good film. And I really hope more people watch it and try it because it's on Shudder. I think people aren't talking about it because it's behind that paywall where they may not be seeing it. But if you have a chance, go ahead and sign up. I know it's the holiday season and that's kind of a weird thing to like throw out there. But I, I, you, know, you guys know the Christmas movies to go watch. We watch those and maybe next week I'll talk about one. But that's my pick for movie of the week. and stretch relax it's the after show boy oh boy you know this is where part of the the show where i kind of tell you guys about what's going on in my life it's the real me things going on not so much pop culture if you're interested in that kind of stuff thank you for hanging out this is the last podcast before the holiday and uh this is the first podcast in a long time i did not release at 2 a.m it's still coming out on thursday but um yeah i've been exhausted i have been exhausted and overworked and every single aspect of my life, um, jobs, dads, um, side projects. I'm, I'm doing, I'm currently juggling, you know, working on stand up comedy. I'm currently juggling working on art. I'm currently juggling working on AI art. I'm currently juggling working on designing logos and typography. I'm working with vector images. And I'm also currently juggling getting back into music and making a song with my friends. Um, I'm trying to help my daughter clean her room, which has become a, a giant process. And I also, something I did accomplish this week was I was able to, um, she has this, my, my daughter has this great like swimming, um, it's kind of like a Girl Scout sash. I, I took this poncho and she gets these badges she earns in her swimming classes and she's pretty much close to the end. And I decided to merge the concept. So she has this like poncho she puts on, it's a towel that, you know, she can wear, you know, to walk around when she's like drying off and stuff and it has like a hood. But I, I sewed all her sashes by hand down or sewed all the badges down the side of the towel or whatever. And I think it looks pretty cool. Um, and everyone loves it. They never seen that before, like at her school. So she can like, walk around these like badges of armor on her like, cool poncho that's like hanging off of her. Um, it's pretty awesome. Um, but sewing, learning how to sew by hand and getting into that is something I really enjoy doing. It takes a long time. You know, there's a lot of detail into that process, but I did update her towel, all her current badges. And it looks like she's actually due to maybe get another one or two pretty soon. Um, and that took a lot of time, you know, out of my weekend. But, you know, there's something that needed to get done. And then you got the holidays. Holidays are all around us. So much stuff going on. So, yeah, by next next podcast we do will be after Christmas. and we be going towards New Year's and looking forward to that. But I hope you guys are enjoying your holidays. hope you guys are juggling all the stress that comes with that. Um, yeah, I had a lot of doctor visits yeah, I scheduled. And I just got back to Florida. And I almost it almost feels like I didn't go to Florida. 
um, because, you know, coming back, December has been so jam-packed full of stuff, which I guess I like. I do like doing things and having things to do, but it is a bit overwhelming. So I guess that'd be it. I'll keep it kind of brief this week. If you guys are, you know, tuning in, thank you guys so much. I hope you guys are enjoying the holidays and relaxing and, you know, finding, being able to kind of control yourself and not get overwhelmed by all that stuff. I think it's always a challenge. So definitely hit me up. I haven't talked to you in a while. Always great to hear from you guys. And um, yeah, much love. I'm Sammy Rye. Peace.